0: This audio session is taken from the Shofar Bible School first year course. You can register for the full Bible School course by visiting our Shofar online store at www.shofaronlinestore.org. The topic for this session is Biblical Christianity. It is part of Module 17, Worldviews. Welcome, guys, to session two of Worldviews. My name is George Lawrence, and I'm one of the pastors at Shafastan and Bosch. It's great to be with you today. Wherever you are, wherever you're watching this, it's great to to, to just have some time together and discuss worldviews. The last session, we just had a bit of an introduction to to what worldviews are. And today, we're going to be focusing on biblical Christianity. So just kind of maybe a recap or or a definition of a worldview is a narrative map that helps us make sense of reality and enables us to explore life. So basically, this is the motivation behind why and how we think and we act um, and and we respond to the world around us. Our worldview shapes when things happen to us the way that we speak, the way that we think, the way that we react um, to things happening in our world. And today we're, we're talking about, and so basically it's a lens through which we see the world. And today we're looking at biblical Christianity as the lens through which we see the world. And the first distinction that we kind of want to make is a distinction between biblical Christianity and cultural Christianity. I love how Scott McKnight uh, makes this distinction in his book, The King Jesus Gospel, where he talks about even a salvation culture and a gospel culture where he talks about the the salvation culture about you're saved and basically now you can do whatever you want and you just hold to certain Christian values and principles, but you hold to them loosely. Like it doesn't form and shape your life. Whereas a gospel culture is one where you have a robust faith and you're actually seriously holding to the the scriptures and the values and the principles that you find in the Bible. Now, unfortunately, in South Africa and, and, and in America and a lot of Europe, we find this salvation culture or what we like to call a cultural Christianity where because we're born into it, because our parents were Christian or because the society around us is predominantly Christian, we say that we hold a Christian worldview. So what we're saying today is, that's not necessarily a biblical worldview. And what we're going to look at today is what is a biblical Christian worldview? How do we what is this lens of biblical Christianity that we see the world through that helps us navigate through life? And and basically we can we can see this play out, and, and it's it's maybe a challenging question that Eugene Peterson, the author of the Message Bible, um he writes in his in, in a book of his, a long uh, It's always a difficult uh, title for me, but uh, a same obedience, a long obedience in the same direction. And he says that most of the world has these common laws, these laws that we live by. Don't murder, don't steal, and if you do these things, then you'll go to prison, right? And he makes the argument that would we as Christians still conform to these laws just because they're present in the Bible, And not necessarily in natural or common law. So would you still not murder, still not steal or, um, you know, commit fraud if they weren't in the Bible? And maybe something that's more relevant is if something like smoking marijuana was legal, would you do it because it's legal or would you not do it because of what the Bible says? And this is basically what we're looking at today. I love the way that um, C.S. Lewis says it. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And, and this is what we're talking about. Like, Am I conforming and am I looking at the world, responding in a certain way because, it, because of what the world says? Or am I responding and thinking to the world around me because of what the Bible says? What is shaping my worldview? What is this lens through which I see and react to the world around me? And it's so beautiful for me that the Acts Church and the early church, um, they called the Christianity before it became Christianity, they called it the way, the way of life, which is so beautiful for me because it describes it so well in that this is not just something that saves us and lets us go to heaven, but it's a way of life it's it's a way that we interact with the world around us. And if we are invested in this word, if we read this word and we take it as whole truth, then we'll live very differently as if this is just some advice, maybe. So we're starting with Christianity, but we're going to be looking at a couple of different worldviews, secular humanism, Islam, and so on. And how are we going to examine each of these worldviews is by looking at three core values or three core um, areas. Now, there's many more than these three, but for time's sake, and also just to, to keep it um, as concise as we can, we're going to look at how each of these worldviews uh, approaches theology, how, it, how they approach philosophy, and how they approach ethics. So the theology, firstly, we're going to look at theology. The theology of biblical Christianity is theism. So um, in your books you'll see the definition there that theism is defined as the belief in the existence of a personal infinite creator of the world who is imminent in the world unlimited in power and love. And basically what it's saying is that we believe that God is creator, author and the origin of everything that we see and everything that we know. And not only is, the, is, is He the origin, not only is He the creator, but He is the sustainer of all things. So everything has life and everything has breath and everything works together because God is the author, because He is the origin. And not only that, but we can know Him personally because he's infinite in power and infinite in love. And this is, this is so, so great for me to be able to share with you that... This belief that we have, this belief in a personal God that we have is not something that's a blind hope. It's not like a, a wandering in the dark and I don't know where I'm going. but' there's a there's this assurance there's this, there's this great hope that I, that I can know God and I can know him personally for two reasons because we can see Him in nature around us. and, and it's so beautiful for me to to look around. And to see something like a bird, and it spread its wings, and I can see the creative design within that animal, within the bird. And it tells me that there is a creator, there is a God, there's something bigger than us that has influence and creative power over the world. And that's what we call general revelation, where we can look at nature and we can see, oh, there is a creator, there's something outside of this world that is imposing a, a, a creative power um an inspirational power with, within the world but unfortunately well not unfortunately but the reality is that that is that is not enough because through nature we know that god exists but through nature we don't necessarily know who god is and this is where the sacred writings where the scriptures come into play that it's only by the scriptures, by the Old Testament, the prophets, the New Testament, and all the sacred writings that we can know who God is. And not only who God is, but what His plan is for humanity. We can know that, that He has a redemptive plan for the whole world. So secondly, we're going to look at the philosophy of biblical Christianity, And the philosophy that we live by, the philosophy that shapes the way that we see the world is supernaturalism. And basically, this is just that there is a material world and that there's a spiritual world. And we can say this because God is the creator of all things, right? So he's outside of nature. But there's also a natural world which we live in now. I mean, just the fact that I'm sitting here and you're on the other side watching this on the screen proves that there is a natural world, but that there is a creator in this spiritual world. So your, your, your textbooks de- define it like this, that supernaturalism is the existence of both the material and the spiritual world. Christianity does not consider these two realms at odds with one another, but recognizes that the natural has been created by God. And there's this beautiful scripture that, that if you've been in, in, in church or in Christian circles for a while, you've, you would have heard this quite a couple of times. But it stays so beautiful. It stays so powerful in John 1 verse 1 to 4. And John explains it in this way. And he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So it's basically explaining what happens, well this is obviously in the New Testament, and one of the Gospels, but it's explaining what happened in Genesis, that in the beginning, before the world was created, God was, the Word was, and, and the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were together, and from the, from, from the beginning, God then created the world. He created the natural world that we live in. And from Him came all life. From Him came all things that we know and see, all things that were created. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof, as the Psalms say. And this is beautiful for us because we hold on to this uh, s- spiritual reality, but also a natural reality. So if human beings were simply made for and bound to the natural world, we would not, we would only be subject to natural laws we find in the world. In other words, we would merely be living on instincts and reflexes. We would not be able to reason objectively and create and creatively outside an endless chain of actions and reactions based on natural laws. But because of just life around us, we know that we have a choice to remove ourselves from this chain of reactions and and reflections um, and and remove ourselves and make objective decisions about the things around us. Just a simple, a very simple example that might be uh, a popular topic nowadays is that we see that this single-use plastics in the world, right? There's a chain going on of us needing to use single-use plastics, and unfortunately, it's uh, polluting our oceans and our world around us, and it's causing havoc for nature, right? So there's the cycle that's happening. But fortunately, because we're not only conformed or or confined to the natural world, we can say, whoa, 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 I'm going to step back and remove myself from this chain and actually say, you know what, it's not great for me to use single-use plastics. It's a very simple example, but it explains well that we don't just, re- we don't just live by reactions. We don't just live on instinct without an objective view of the world. Then thirdly, the, we're going to look at the, the ethics of biblical Christianity. And, and the ethics that we live by is moral absolutes. So basically what that's saying is that we, we don't determine our morals or our values, the principles that we live by, relatively. We say that our morals are absolute because the Bible says so. This, just, just this week in the time of recording this, I was so distraught because this is the extent to which relativity has become a reality in our lives in that pedophilia is being promoted as a sexual orientation and you see for us as Christians if we hold to a biblical Christian worldview then we cannot agree with that because that's moral relativity. It's saying that when I feel or prefer a certain thing I'm willing to bend the rules or to not see something as an absolute and it's just about my feelings and what I prefer and what I think and what I feel. As a Christian. That is not the way that we view life. We view that there is absolutes that are prescribed to us in the Bible through the moral law of God. So biblical Christian ethics conform to the character of God, which we find in the Scriptures. That means that Christians submit to a specific moral order, as I said, revealed to us in the Scripture, because Scripture conforms to the highest moral authority, which is God. So to put this kind of in perspective, we believe that God created the world. He is the origin and the author of everything that we created. Therefore, he is the author and creator of our moral law, which means that if he is the origin and he created the moral law and the standard, which we then can find in the scriptures, then our biblical Christian worldview says that we need to ascribe or conform to those moral values, those moral absolutes, and not. Just decide, like, oh, I read something in the Bible, and you know what? It's uncomfortable for me, or I don't, mm, I don't feel like applying this in my life, so I'm not going to do it. No, 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 that's not how we view the world. We see the Scriptures and God's moral law as our ultimate authority. And whether it makes us feel uncomfortable or whether we prefer it or not, we say that this God has designed for the world and humanity to flourish here and now. This God is designed for us to live in harmony, not only with him, but with everyone around us. And therefore, we conform to these patterns and these values and principles. So primarily, the ethics of biblical Christianity is not based on what seems to work. Because, I mean, we can fall into this trap as well, where we we think we're uh, conforming to biblical principles, biblical laws, biblical ethics, because it seems to work in the world around us and that's even a step further that that which seems to work isn't even what we ascribe to but rather that which the bible says that's why it's so important for us to get into this book this is why it's so important for us to see that we can only know who god is and what his plan is for the world in the scriptures this is the lens through which we live our lives this biblical the bible Biblical Christianity is what we want to ascribe to. And we know obviously that it stays constant because God is constant. The word says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And therefore his moral law isn't like the waves that toss to and fro. His moral ethics and the ways that he prescribes in the Bible doesn't change. It's constant because God knows and God is in control. So just a couple of arguments for an absolute ethical system um, is firstly the universe the universality of ethics which says what is wrong here is wrong everywhere else so what is wrong like murder is wrong here in South Africa it's also wrong in Russia right so we have this universality of ethics the second thing is justice and and this is what we're talking about that relativity so whenever we speak about justice there's a yardstick That measures our actions. So we say that murder for whatever reason is wrong according to the law. So there's a measuring stick. Without that measuring stick if we take that away and we start playing around with the relativity of murder and we look at all the intentions or you know um, a whole bunch of factors and we and we don't have a measuring stick then the world just turns into chaos because then we can decide when murder is right and when it is wrong. And that is not for us to decide because according to God, murder is sin, right? So we need this yardstick because without it, there won't ever be justice. And that follows on what I was saying about God being constant, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, is that things don't change because the measuring stick doesn't change, the yardstick doesn't change, because then we can see that God will truly bring justice, because there's this constant measuring um, yardstick of what is right, what is wrong, what is absolute to God. And the third um, argument for absolute ethical system is, is the values, the values by which we live. And, and as we said, from a biblical Christian point of view, we don't pick and choose what values we ascribe to as people who ascribe to relativity do. Just picking and choosing what they prefer is best, but that we know that there are certain values and principles that we have to live by. So in conclusion, we note that biblical Christianity is coherent. It's not um, conflicting against one another, because the God who is reflected in nature and in our very beings, because he created nature, and us. And God has an absolute character. He is constant, the same, and he is holy. And this is reflected in the laws, in the scriptures, it's reflected that he is holy, he is constant, and his character stays the same. But this also explains the reality of brokenness in this world, because humanity continues to choose Um, to break the moral law of God. And we see it around us, and and, and we would probably call it entropy, that, you know, left to ourselves, we would just break law after law after law. But if we ascribe to what God says, there is a constant yardstick by which we can measure our lives. Now, as we're starting these sessions on on worldview, I'd love to... uh, just share with you something that, that was very powerful for me that, that Timothy Keller shared in, in a sermon that he preached around the gospel-shaped life. In the beginning, we were talking about a gospel culture versus a salvation culture. And uh, he, this sums up the session so beautifully for me in that Christianity is so different to every other religion or worldview worldview that there is firstly because we see that in christianity it is not man or a prophet seeking after god but it is god seeking after man because jesus came to seek and save the lost and secondly that the bible this the holy scriptures the sacred writings that we ascribe to the bible is not good advice because the thing with advice is that we can Choose what we apply or don't apply. And that we find in any other religion, any other worldview is, here's a set of advice. Take what works best for you. Take what makes your life the best and apply those things. And underlying that is saying like, you you know, leave out what you don't think is right. But the difference is that the scriptures is good news. The Bible is good news. And the thing with news is you don't take or leave it as you respond to good news. Right? So in this, we can see that there in the biblical Christian worldview, the response to good news is that God wants humanity to be saved. He desires all men to be saved. And he desires us not only to be saved and go to heaven, but to flourish in this world where we are right now. So there might be chaos around us, there might the world might be falling apart. But if we have a Christian worldview and we hold fast to this good news, then it doesn't matter what goes on around us because there's this constant hope that God is working in the mess. Where if we take any other worldview or any other religion, there's this bunch of advice. You know, and, and in the biblical worldview, there's freedom because we know that God is good and he is faithful and that he has come down. The work has been finished for us, right? So we don't have to work to earn our salvation or, or, or try and do the right thing. We just say yes to the good news and allow that good news to transform our lives. Whereas the advice heaps burdens on us and says, if you're going to make a good, if you're going to live a good life, Then you need to do this and this and this. But you can also choose what you want to do of this and this and this. And then it's just like building your house with cards. And some other time along the way, it's going to fall apart. And with that being said, I want us to jump into uh, reading the, the scripture for the day. We're going to read Proverbs 2 from verse 1 to 15. You can follow with in your books or in your Bible. So from verse 1, it says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil from men and perverted spe- men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Take 10 minutes to reflect on and discuss this session's key Bible passage together with others in your class. If you are watching on your own, take a few minutes to reflect on the key Bible passage by yourself. And this is, what we were, this is what we were talking about. That in conclusion to this session, that when we seek the scriptures, we know that we will find God. This is our hope, that not only through nature will we know that God exists, But through this biblical Christian worldview, we know who God is. And by knowing who God is and what his character is, we know what his will is for the world and for us who conform to his word. And my prayer for us is that we would be more committed to allow the word to transform our lives. That we would not be conformed to the pattern of this world which says, one day this and another day that. You know, today we're standing for this and tomorrow, no, that's the evil thing. And, and there's just this tossing to and fro and this relativism. But the, that, that instead of that, we would have a constant and a, and a sure hope that the Bible will transform our lives into the image of Christ who lived the perfect, sinless life. That is our hope. This is what the scripture is saying, that as we seek God, as we seek him in prayer, as we seek him in the word, as we seek him in the fellowship of the saints and in worship, that we would see who he is and not only see who he is, but that we would would become like him. And not only become like him, that we would be saved, but that we would become agents of change in this world, that we would be Christians, representatives of the kingdom of God in this world around us. And this is why it's so important for us to have the correct lens, this biblical Christian lens through which we see the world. Because in it, there is eternal hope. Within it, there is eternal salvation. Within it, there is eternal assurance of salvation. And this is the beauty of seeing the scriptures, seeing God the way that we do, is that there is always hope, there is always a future because God is good and he is faithful, he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Take 15 minutes to reflect on and discuss the following points together with others in your class. If you are watching on your own, take a few minutes to reflect on the points by yourself. You can find the discussion points in your Bible School Handbook. Look out for the Living the Word sections in each session.